sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Lost in the Milky Way, smile at the empty sky, and wait for the moment a million chances may all collide. I'll be your guiding light. Swim to me through stars that shine down, and call to the sleeping world as they fall to earth. So here's your life. We'll find our way. We're sailing blind, but it's certain, nothing's certain. I don't mind. I get the feeling you'll be fine. I still believe that in this world, we've got to find the time for the life of Riley. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. me to be the Alan Hansen and Mark Lawrenson to my Des Linen as we talk about goal of the season. Uh, first of all, Charlie Eccleshare, welcome. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, what goal comes to mind if I say to you goal of the season? Uh, Matt Letizier from 94-95, that one yes. against Blackburn. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that, I think that, that was the, the first spot. season I really properly followed football and so that, um, and I think bought a video around that time of best goals in the Premier League and that was like the cover image. So yeah, that to me uh, is the archetypal goal of the season goal. Good answer. Uh, we also have Jack Pitbrook, which which basically makes this uh, the view from the lane um, extra. <laughs> um, hi, Jack. Hi, how are you? I'm all right. Um, what, what's your standout goal of the season? What What to you kind of encapsulates the whole concept Trevor Sinclair I think ah. that was FA Cup wasn't Newcastle. it it was it was actually it was only in the course of of researching for this pod that I it, it occurred to me that FA Cup goals were rolled into BBC's match the day BBC's match the day goal of the season competition I was wondering whether or not that was that made them truly canonical but they are there in the I records. don't know yeah, there's there's all sorts of anomalies uh, going through yeah. this. I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, you could have international goals, FA Cup goals. It's pretty much anything the BBC had the rights to. So, I mean, Dalgleish won it in 83 with a goal for Scotland in some sort of qualifier, uh, which just feels like it just feel like it shouldn't have been in there. It's just, like, it doesn't really work. It Charlie, feels that speaks agree? to it. Yeah, I did always find that slightly weird. And I think it, it probably came from an era when there was less of a brand around the Premier League and that kind of thing. Whereas when we grew up, uh, there was a clearer delineation. So yeah, that, that was always odd. And this is like that one we were talking about uh, earlier, the, well, 87, 88, when it was all Liverpool nominees. And the oh, yeah, goal yeah. is very prosaic. Like maybe we'll tweet it so you can see what I mean. But it, it's a volley from like eight yards or something. And that one yeah. goal of the season... 87-88 was a real standout 
bizarre anomaly in, in this whole thing. First of all, the, the the music for goal of the season was Rick Wakeman's sort of really sort of dreaded sort of synths. Um, mm. And uh, every goal was from a Liverpool player, as you say. And then the winner, I guess, was just pure context. I think it was an FA Cup semi-final right, uh, okay. in 88. And, and, but it was no, it's not even in the top three. And, and it's one of the... And I feel like context doesn't play a huge part in goal of the season anymore, like as it did then. Um, and I just wonder if, it, if the FA Cup... The romance of the FA Cup back in the eighties and nineties played a huge deal in it, and it just doesn't anymore. Um, and I feel like let's take the Letitia goal that you mentioned. Um, I don't. No one ever talks about that match, and it's all about that goal. And it's just, it's been ripped completely out of its original context and just exists purely on its own. And that's what I think goal mm. of the season is all about. You basically don't care about um, what it did to that game or, or what it did for that club season. It's just simply all about that moment because that's how you should appreciate most goals, right? That's that's the well, or way should of doing we? Things. I mean, how important is context? Well, we'll get on to context, definitely. The results of the Athletics' goal of the season will be announced on Sunday, which is why we're doing this podcast. We'll also be revealing our Young Player of the Year, Underrated Player, Team of the Year and the Main Award, the Men's and Women's Players of the Season. And to find out the winners on Sunday night, make sure you subscribe and download the Athletic app. Go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of our 90-day free trial. The culture of goal of the season, because I feel like it's 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 a cultural artifact of, of football, isn't it? Isn't it, Jack? This is this is a, a centerpiece of every football season, even if it is governed purely by the BBC. Yeah, I mean, that is itself a fascinating point. I wonder whether I'm kind of slightly surprised that the Premier League allows this to exist and not to own it. Yeah, given given that the mm. Premier League, you know, loves to have its own branding on everything and yet this is effectively a, prim- a bit of Premier League content which is owned by the BBC. I feel as if it's not as important as it used to be. Maybe mm. that's just me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when you're 10, it, you know, this is extremely important what is golden yeah. season. Yeah. Because when you get a bit older, it doesn't matter so much, which is a surprise because you'd think that in the age of virality and people, you know, it's never been easier to see great goals all the time. Like as soon as there is a great goal, everyone's seen it millions of times on the internet. Well, Whereas, I think the answer to that is is simply that um, because we see so many goals from around the world, it, it just it kind of dilutes the effect of having seen a really great goal in the Premier League. It's just not so much a treat anymore. You get sick of seeing it. Definitely, and may, and maybe part of the attraction of goal of the month and goal of the season twenty years ago was that you would remember this fantastic Matt Letizia, mm. Dennis Bergkamp, Tony Boa goal, and you mm. hadn't been able to see it for the last six months or the last yeah. month, and you'd mm, be thinking, please. God, I really, really, really want to see that goal again, <laughs> but I can't see it. Whereas now, if there's a great goal, it's like Python Kasami or whatever, if there's a great goal scored, you can watch it as many times as you want, almost as soon as it's happened. And I think that that, like, that that ability to show people what they wanted to see, which they had no way to see otherwise, was probably part of the power of it. And presumably, you wouldn't feel compelled to ring a premium rate phone number to, to, to kind of advocate for a goal that you really liked anymore, because you just you couldn't possibly feel that strongly about it now, could you? Well, I guess you you could, but you'd be you might have kind of vented your spleen sufficiently on Twitter over the previous six months. Mm. So maybe you'd have got it out of your system now. I'm not sure. Well, of course, we do have the, we have the Puskas Award every year, which I feel fills the kind of democratic gap that our goal of the season um, leaves, which is kind of you know you'll have your goal from the Electricity League or something like that. And, it, and, it, and, and you know, I don't know how far down the Puskas Award actually is allowed to go, but I feel like that's a lawless 
situation the Puskas world. I, I don't I just I can't get on board with it just yet. It's just silly goals from far flung <laughs> leagues. I'm just I'm just not I just don't like it. I don't like the FIFA Puskas. But the parameters aren't defined sufficiently. Yeah, yeah. I just I feel like it should be contained. But then that feels quite cruel as well because then you wouldn't get sort of overhead kicks from Belarus or, or something like that. So I don't know. Um, as as you may have picked up in the intro, um, what I feel is indelibly linked with goal of the season is Life of Riley by the Lightning Seeds, which is, and, and, it, and there is there is nothing about that song which inherently says this is perfect for the background to goal of the month or goal of the season. And yet I feel like that's all it's known for. And that's all it could ever be known for. Uh, if you go on YouTube and you and you look up, say, like a live performance of Life of Riley Jack, it's it's terrible. It just it's 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 it feels like it's a song that should never ever be played live. It should only ever be played in its instrumental sense. Amazing. I've never actually had cause to do that, but I'm actually. I'm certainly <laughs> <laughs> but but I will certainly do that as soon as you we do stop now. This podcast. Yeah. Well, here, I, I have some... such a clear goal Go in my head from that Lightning Seas Life of Riley goal of the month, uh, mm. and it's Benito Carboni. I think on the opening day of ninety seven ninety eight for Sheffield Wednesday against Newcastle. It's like a, right. a bicycle kick. Uh, just that comes to mind when, whenever I hear that song I'm not and think of that goal of the month. Convinced that Life of Riley was still the theme tune in '97-'98. Oh come on! If I misremembered we, that, I'm going to check. I'm going to check live on this podcast. We're not going to stop recording. We're not going to say, "Oh, should we have a look?" I'm going to look it up because um, I'm. I just. I just don't think it sustained that long. Um, and this, I think, so this would be August '97. So '97, '98, goal of the season. I bet this isn't on YouTube. I just guarantee it. And uh, yeah, it isn't. So uh, we'll have to take your word for it. I'm just. I mean, other BBC Goal of the Season songs were Teenage Fan Club. Once had it. James Dean, Bradfield, The Shantays, which I think succeeded Lightning Seeds with this kind of sort of jointy '60s tinged um, ditty. But I just feel like there's no song that really lends itself. To be honest, it's, it, it is by definition background music that sort of skips along as Gerald Sinstat sort of pretends to be surprised <laughs> by a goal. Um, I'm, I'm also interested by uh, the, the mechanism of the competition because as long ago as, say, 92-93, the prize, if you voted for the correct goal and then your your vote was chosen out, out of the random selection, you won £500 of premium bonds, which feels <laughs> like the most 90s prize you could possibly have. It went up to I a grand I never knew what that was. No, who knows? What are premium bonds? I think my brother wants, like, I don't know, one sum? I don't know. I even know what the situation, the process is. And he got, like, 50 quid. And I was like, this is well unfair. How do you... <laughs> how, why don't I have this? What are premium bonds? It was like um, the pools panel. To me, it was just like these yeah. alien terms that you heard mm. and had no idea what they meant. Jack, have you ever voted for a goal of the season? Um, I'm sure I would have voted for Georgie King Clancy when he was robbed by Tony Eboa. <laughs> In 1996. He was not robbed. I can, he was not robbed. If I, if I can, I mean, I, I can't specifically remember doing it, but if I think of how seriously I took that sort of thing at the age of seven, never mind 31, I imagine I would have I would have called over and over and over again. I remember as well at that being a similarly uh, engaged and I would get quite indignant about, you know, ridiculously trivial football things. And I remember... It's like it irked me that the end of season options were just the winner of each goal of the month. Yeah, and I, I think, got I think that, that was a simple a way of doing it. But I was like, but that's so unfair. What if you know if you were in October and you just happened to be up against loads of really good goals? Why can't it just be you know? Oh, it's a really unnecessary technicality. I think um, Rooney won it in two thousand and six oh seven. And first of all, do either of you remember that goal? Could you tell me what that goal was? 
wait, because that was the year that where that December was ridiculous, wasn't it? Yes, and all the goals exactly. were amazing in December. Yeah, of six. and I think so, I think that. The, the the system that they employed was was quite punishing oh, for that month. I do remember. Is that the rune? Is that that team goal where United break uh, yeah. and it's like him and Ronaldo? Was it even on? It was against Bolton in like a four 0 win, and he dinks exactly. it over the keeper. At so, the end. Yeah. so it's a very it's a very sort of drawn out one two between Rooney and Ronaldo. Uh, Rooney sort of races through and then and then dinks a very very nice finish over the goalkeeper. But it's it's never goal of the season. I put it in the bottom three goals of the season of all time. Um, a a process that's been running since 1970 beginning with Ernie Hunt's famous donkey kick free kick this goal does not belong amongst that <laughs> royalty and uh, you know goals like I don't know SEN against Arsenal mm. where, where it's just Skulls one of the greatest against goals that, yes oh, Skulls against Villa is, is a perfect example because uh, it just feels like that, that's a goal you don't see very often so that ticks yeah, that Matty Taylor well. that month as well that, like really? the greatest month ever so I just think an absolute scandal and it's like well player sort of star value alone shouldn't be enough to win you goal of the season so I really don't know what went on there he well, he's won it uh, he's won goal of the season or he's won goal of the month eight times more than anybody wow Wayne Rooney and uh, he's he scored a goal of the month uh, once in every 26 Premier League goals there's a stat for you one of every 26 of his Premier League goals was a goal of the month yeah yeah wow. that's not a, not a terrible ratio I don't think um Here's another. I, I have some more data for you that I have. I'm the only person in the world who appears to have ever researched this. Um, what do you think the average range of a goal of the season is? So I'm talking 1970 to 2019. What is the average range of a goal of the season? I'd say outside the penalty box. I think the median yeah. dis- the median distance would. I'd say the median distance would be just outside the penalty box because there'll be a few from inside, but the majority will be 20 plus yards. Okay. Presumably, this is the mean rather than the median, though, Adam. I, oh my God! Uh, what the median? The median is what the most commonly occurring number. Is that right? No, that's, no, that's the, the mode. mode. Oh my God! What's the difference? I'm between sure mean it will and be median? the mean. The, me- the, the middle will- number. I took that to mean median. Okay, oh, I see. I, I think it'll be mean. Mean is all I, of them added up divided by yeah, the total. I'm, I said average. That was the word I used. That would, because the yes. media, because the mean could be skewed by like a Charlie Adams type goal. <laughs> That, that's why the median is so uh, so I'm useful. Not gonna, I'm so, not going to go back and find out the median. I'm not going to do it. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, low, not miles out, but just outside the box, probably. Jeez, I just any that yeah, anyway. Uh, yes, nineteen point two yards is the answer. That's the in, average range. That was that was a good shout because um, that does feel like the optimum distance for a really good goal. Because any further than that, and it becomes a bit too cartoony. Or, or it has to be, you know, incredibly good goal. Mm. Uh, and any closer than that, well, it's just, it's just a goal. It's just a penalty area sort of bit of plundering. So I think, yeah, 19.2 yards seems about right. Um, 13 out of the 49 goals of the season were scored with left feet, which I feel is disproportionate. Hmm. I, I, I think it's disproportionate. That's what As in that's that. more than goals would normally be scored with the left foot. Probably. I should have that's looked a higher up, ratio. I didn't. Yeah, I think it's probably about right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, a third of goals sense, is because left foot. I, th- I think left-footed goals tend to be more spectacular on average, mm. just about mm. yeah. more, more long Jack, ranges. Yeah, I agree with that, J- Charlie. Uh, Jack, my theory about this is that we in, we disproportionately enjoy left-footed goals is because most of us are right-footed and we just can't fathom the idea of doing it and therefore it looks more impressive. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, that's what people used to say about 
David Gower, and I guess it's true of Robin Van Persie as well. Like the Robin mm. Van Persie, Aston Villa volley, the famous, oh, God, I've forgotten who it was against, the Robin Van Persie from Alex Song uh, volley for Arsenal. Against Everton. Everton, yeah. Like those Van Persie, I mean, he's the player that comes to mind more than anyone else in terms of like that kind of left-footed uniqueness, but I'm sure there mm. are. There are others. Matty Taylor, right? Matty Taylor's yeah. famous long, long ranger was left-footed. Yeah, yeah, he scored a few. I I also think, I mean, this could, this is probably applies to football generally, but I think there's an anti-header agenda with goal of the season. Only one header has ever won goal of the season. Do you know what that was? No. N- n- uh, no. How recent? FA I mean, Cup, presumably it must FA be Cup quite a while final. ago. FA Cup final. Andy Lindgren. 1987. Keith oh, the Coventry, Keith Coventry Houchen, against yeah. Spurs, of course, yeah. Tottenham Hotspur, of of whom you both yeah. are the correspondent. Um, Can I yeah, say that, actually to to to, mm. to Jack's point there about um, uh, or was it your point, Adam, about left footers because they're kind of harder for us to imagine doing? Yeah, that, that was my point. Me, Do you want to start again, <laughs> Adam? That fantastic point you made about uh, <laughs> left footers. And the fact that they're rarer. That, to me, is why I find headed goals disproportionately impressive. Uh, I find headering really hard, despite being Mm. quite tall. Like, I'm not good (laughs) at headering the ball. And so, to me, like, any headed goal is really impressive. And in my mind, one of my kind of arbitrary metrics for what makes a great goal is, like, how hard I think it is to score or how few Mm. people could score it. But that is skewed by how impressive I find headers. And it means, like, if a player misses a headed chance, in my head, I'm like... Yeah, it wasn't that easy. He's sort of done yeah. well to just like get ahead on it. So I uh, I, I definitely think headed that, goals a, are, are really impressive. That's a good point. I mean, categorising any goal or, or judging any goal based on, on how difficult it is to perform is, is, is not a bad metric to, to employ across the board. But Yeah, well, that's why I think like long range goals, ju- you know, a goal that's just like he's hit it well. I kind of think most Premier League footballers probably have that ability. So yeah. I do and, think and judging it like- by how few could score it or how few yeah. teams collection could score it is, is a reasonable metric. But Jack, I feel, I feel like headers are just fundamentally quite weird. Uh, they are almost literally anti-football. I just sometimes, if you take a little bit of critical distance when you're watching a game of football and you and you watch what they're all doing, you think, what, "How has society got to this? They're just they're kicking a ball around. It's really it's a weird thing for the human body to be doing." And then, by extension, heading a ball in for the purposes of getting it where you want it to also just feels like a really weird act. So I just think I think fundamentally headers are quite weird and that's why no one's really ever really sort of taken to them. Yeah, like my favourite header I can think of, or the one that against maybe just because we're talking about Van Persie, was Van Persie against Spain mm. twenty fourteen, which is a ridiculous, weird, like odd goal. I've never seen anybody score a goal quite like that. But it's so um you're right. They don't. They don't seem to have that like aestheticness, or even like the great, you know, Ronaldo against Roma, which is like everyone's favourite header. Yeah, was, totally. a, was was an astonishing act of athleticism, but it seems to sit slightly removed from like the you know the day to day life of football. Isn't isn't there a distance issue as well? And that they're always. I mean, you say that the average is nineteen point two yards. They're always mm. going to be a fair bit closer than that, and so yeah distance can be a sort of shorthand for spectacular. So yeah, I guess that that counts against them as well. Yeah, Van Persie's World Cup header was because it, it was just so expansive in in heading terms. I feel like it it caught the eye. But then you know there have been other sort of long range headers. I think it was, was Rowcastle scored a header from from 
from outside the area for Arsenal back in the 80s. And, it, and, and I watched back on YouTube and it is, it is absurd, but it's, it's never going to be impressive in the way that shooting from 40 or 50 yards would be. So I feel like headers are just, by definition, kind of excluded from this debate. And I don't know whether that's, that's unfair or not. But anyway, um, other technical matters to, to get into. Um, for, up until about two, 2007, I think it was, um, the goal of the season was it was an open public vote. You, you, you cast your vote and then and if you called the correct goal, you, you, you'd be entered into a draw for a prize. And, and the, uh, the prize, as we said, began with sort of about 500 quid worth of premium bonds. It went up to about a grand. And then it kind of levelled out a bit. And afterward, uh, towards the end, you, you won two tickets to a game of your choice plus travel. Um, I think they even took off the £250 spending money. That's how tight it got. Um, but it all kind of reached a, a head with a scandal that I'd completely forgotten, which was the phone-in scandal of 2007, which which plagued various broadcasters. And it was all sort of to do with technicalities of, of phone-ins, people being asked to ring in on on repeat shows and things like that. And it, and, it, and goal of the season basically got screwed over. So there was no more of a public vote anymore. And... Um, in terms of actually deciding the actual goal. And in 2014-15, which was inevitable, Arsenal fans fans dominated the vote for Jack Wilshere to the extent that he won 34% um, for his volley against West Brom. And and that's when when they completely just abandoned the whole thing and just said, right, you can vote for the nominees, but we'll get our pundits to to decide for it. Why do people care this much about goal of the season, Jack? This sounds, Adam, like the sequel to the (laughs) quiz, the uh, ITV series that's just been on about the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire rigging. This is, you know, was Paddy Spooner involved? People... Finding out secret ways to game the system. Bumbling major deciding who wins goal of the season. It's a really nice idea. I think what this shows is that the um, like Premier League hyper partisanship of the last twenty years, which is obviously you know I think much more pronounced than it than it used to be. Like people are more partisan for their teams, and I think that's largely a function of technology, in the sense that thirty years ago, if you were a Manchester City fan. You know, you go to the games and you talk about it with your friends and everything, but you wouldn't be able, you could, you didn't have like the means to actively be a football fan, 20, uh, sorry, a fan of your club with every second of your day. Whereas technology and social media means that you can be an Arsenal fan 24 seven. Like there is always an outlet for (laughs) you to, there is always an outlet for you to like act out that part of your identity. And I guess voting for you know these stupid like like uh, sky polls and but mm. goal of the season polls are just part of that like they're a, they are a means for people to act out their partisanship and in doing so they basically destroyed these like collective structures that we used <laughs> to have as football fans in a not completely unrelated um, anecdote back in january 2014 um during that fateful wilshire season uh mark ronson called people who called up uh, who voted um, more than once for goal of the month as saddos very yeah, Lauro, I can just imagine uh, him saying it, yeah. and I think, yeah, I think Lawrenson with his uh, with his kind of finger on the cultural pulse, um, <laughs> so he should get the last word on that sort of thing. Um, uh, this wouldn't be football cliches in, uh, unless we kind of forensically analyse a turn of phrase. But the um, when goal roundups consider a goal to be an early contender for goal of the season. How how late can you go with that? <laughs> how late can an early contender for goal of the season be, Charlie? That's a really good question. I think once you're into January, so once you're into like the 
a new calendar year. I, th- mm. I, I think it would jar if I heard it in January. And in December, I think you could just about get away with it. I suppose, Jack, it's tallied with what you consider to be the new season. How late can you go into a season where you can still call it the new season? Or in, say, Spurs' case, how long can you call it the new stadium? Mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to hear it in November, to be honest. Wow. I really? I think it's wow. the second international the second international break, maybe. Uh, I think by the, by the time by October and the second international break, I think we are sufficient you know, we've had Champions League group mm. stage match day th- three. I think by, yeah. by that point we are sufficiently into the rhythm of the season. Mm. I wouldn't want anyone pretending like the season's just started. No, this is good logic actually. And you don't want to be too near Christmas because Christmas is is, you know, rough and tough. Part of it. Know, yeah, exactly. So, and that can never be considered to be a new season. Um, here's some more data. Have you Googled kind of it, Adam, to find out when like the latest usage of that was? Uh, it's, it's hard to pin that sort of stuff down, but uh, right. I can give you some data to kind of illustrate or perhaps contribute to this this debate. Um, I, I also feel like the goal of the season is, is affected a bit by recency bias, as as, as yeah. most football debates often are. Like um, that Wilshire one, it was the last day of the season. Yeah, well, goal of the season winners are scored, I can tell you, on average, somewhere between six and seven months into the season. Mm. That's so, interesting. Yeah, I mean, and I don't feel like there could be any footballing reason for this, Charlie, because... I mean, could you possibly make an argument that better better goals are scored towards the <laughs> business end of a season because it I matters guess, more? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could argue, yeah, people's raise their levels or they, they've acclimatised the new ball or the new conditions <laughs> uh, <laughs> sufficiently. I remember though with that, Beckham's was the opening day, wasn't it, against Oh, yeah, uh, opening, days, opening days are that statistical outlier. They're, they're the yeah. Bermuda triangle of goal of the season. I mean, That's I, where I, median I, really comes into its own, Adam. Yeah, I just think I think really good goals are scored. <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember uh, Zola setting up Poirier for his sort of flying yeah. scissor kick against Sunderland, and that was opening day. Yeah, Mario Stanich the following season. Yeah. Fantastic goal. I feel like we're getting into a previously unexplored but huge debate, which is at which point in the season is the best football played? Mm. As in, like, do I... the footballers get better over better or worse over the course of the season? I've, ne- I've genuinely never even considered this, but yeah, now I think it's the most interesting topic I've ever heard. So you think fatigue must come into it here? It's like, when are they not knackered? And but also, when does... like, when... I yeah. think the pressure of the run-in can make for some... It can lead teams to raise the game, but it can also make for those, like, horribly nervy 1-0s where teams just aren't... No matter how good they are, aren't going to play that well. I reckon maybe, like, February, around then, it might peak. Here's a quirk from the continent... Um, in Germany, own goals are also considered um, in the goal of the month reckoning. Twice in the history of ARD's goal of the month competition, um, own goals have won. Which I, hmm. would you consider? Would you would you ever consider own goals um, to be included in the voting? Are they definitely excluded from the BBC's, or is it just never I, I, I don't up? know. I'm, I'm going to say they are because it just feels like against the spirit of the whole thing, and also you get into an awkward territory, which I think the Germany's award, Germany award, has on these on both occasions, where once you've awarded it on for whatever criteria an own goal could possibly be awarded, uh, what do you do then? Do you contact the guy who scored it and say, "Hey, well done"? <laughs> and, and in both cases, they were like, well, "I'm not sure," and they both and both their clubs just said, "No, definitely not," and uh, and that was the end of it. So it's all it's all been very awkward. But I just feel like there's some, there have been some stunning own goals in, in Premier League era that that could have qualified for goal of the month at least. Frank uh, Sinclair has cro- his own. 10 options probably yeah. already. But we should be taking this seriously, right? We, we should be taking goal scoring and the art of goal scoring seriously. 
I think we should. I think if this award has to mean anything, it can't be a joke. Yeah, it should not. Uh, there's no no yeah. banter is allowed. As, as Phil Leotardo says, either it has meaning or no meaning. I feel like Adam, with if if you were if this had been done, certainly in the period where it went to a public vote, the sort of shadows in inverted commas that Laura was talking about would just really come out in force in order to yep. dis, you know disproportionately so that the own goal banter goal would win. Okay, so I think we can all agree that there there is no room for bantering goal of the month. <laughs> And, and, and to the extent of my memory, I can't remember a banterous winner. It's always been taken very seriously. The, the, and the, the three main criteria that I think are used to, to judge a goal have always been borne in mind. And those criteria are the context. Is it, what, were, what were the circumstances in which that goal was scored and what effect did it have? Now, and as we established at the start, I, I don't think that's hugely important for goal of the month or goal of the season. I, I feel like that's set aside slightly. But we, we, we often use it to, to judge a goal by its merits. The second, of course, is execution. You know, how difficult was it to perform that goal? Could a man on the street do it or do you have to be an elite footballer to pull it off? That, I feel like that's fundamental to a good goal. And the third of it is, was it simply nice to look at? Did it, did it thrill you? Did it make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up simply by looking at it, regardless of, of how difficult it was and regardless of what effect it had on that game or that season? So those, I, I feel, are, are the main criteria for goal. Uh, can either of you suggest any other things we should bear in mind here? No, I think that's pretty comprehensive. I, I think it would be the more criteria you have, the harder it gets. So I think that's good. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's well, where that what I was saying earlier about the um, like how few people could score it. I think is important here. Well, let's analyse the half dozen goals of this season as voted for by the Athletic writers. Uh, and I, from a cliche's perspective, I'd like to split them into three categories. Really, um, three fundamental car- categories of great goals, which are solo efforts, belters, and spectacular goals. And there are at least one representative in each of those categories. Um, the first of all, first goal is a goal you're both very familiar with, which is Son Heung-min against Burnley. It's general terror in the Burnley back line when Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Heung-min Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. A standing ovation in North London for a Heung-min Son special. Tell me your memories of this goal. Does it belong in the in the kind of pantheon of goals of the season? Do you think? Well, no. We um, Jack and I watched this goal together. We were sat next to each other at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, uh, and yeah, it was great to share that moment. And it was a <laughs> it was a special goal. We 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 talked about this, didn't we, Jack? On view from the lane, I think the on that Monday, debating how good it had been. Um, you know, as to whether it's with these just sort of long runs. Just how good was it? Yeah, just how good was it? But with these solo runs, you know, how many players did he actually beat? Was the defending not great? Uh, but it was spectacular. And I, I love the finish. It's so composed. And, and the pace is just incredible. Jack, would you consider it to be, I mean, it, it is a solo effort in the sense that it took one man to take the ball 76 yards and, and then score. But would you consider it to be a kind of slaloming dribble? It, it doesn't really, It doesn't really sit right for me. It was basically just, it was just pure pace, wasn't it? It's not a slalom and dribble at all. It is pu- mm. it's pure pace and balance and lots of really weirdly bad defending. Like yeah. two guys massively overcommitting. Like the whole Burnley, because he's got like, the whole Burnley team in front of him and they kind of backpedal mm. and then two guys mm. just come and massively overcommit and he skips past them. Honestly, so w- watching it back just now, I thought it's obviously very good and very difficult and very unusual, which is good. Mm. But I didn't really get the wow factor from it. 
No, I think if, the, if you're traveling a long way with a ball, I want to see individual players being, to a certain extent, humiliated yeah. with a certain bit of skill. And then, and then at the end, just a, a, a decent finish. And it's, it's a nice finish and it's, it's an authoritative finish, but I wouldn't consider it to be, you know, a goal of the season contender. In a sense, it's just like, it's just like classic Son. Like it's ruthlessly efficient and mm. focused and like laser guided and it's very effective, mm. but it just doesn't have, I don't think there's much kind of magic to it. I wouldn't, I, I think I probably voted for it actually come to think of it because I, <laughs> but having having actually rewatched and thought through the rest of the shortlist, I don't think I would vote for it properly now. No, that's fine, and I think well, this kind of sums up the, the the conflict that we have when we're judging goals like this. I, I don't think we're doing the goal a disservice by picking out picking out its its holes in the grand scheme of things. But it's a very impressive goal. I just don't think it has, as you say, the magic. Um, the second goal in this in this category um, will be Jordan Ayew against West Ham at Selhurst Park for Palace. Wickham won't mind though, neither will Palace, so they can build an attack from here, are you? Nicely done by Ayu. Oh, he's danced his way through, and how about the finish as well? This is where he sort of dances his way through the West Ham defence, a lot more elegantly and a lot more craftily than you could ever say Son drove through the entire Burnley team. And then he dinks it over the goalkeeper. Now, in terms of a solo goal, it has pretty much every ingredient you want here, doesn't it? The finish is beautiful yeah to finish it like that yeah it, it is more I guess it's more spectacular in a way than Sons the way he because he kind of goes between like three players almost simultaneously and then does the finish so it it's also over a shorter period which maybe makes it a bit more intense somehow it's it, it's obviously not as long a dribble but it has that intensity to it and you can kind of just feel it as he, he that skill is really nice that he does um that kind of drag back uh, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a special goal. Yeah, I agree. The part of the beauty of, of that goal, Jack, is it all seems to happen in one kind of interrupted, uninterrupted movement. It's um, it's all very instinctive. And, and it, you can see sort of players just sort of suddenly realising, God, something brilliant's happening here. And everything I've ever ever trained for has all come together here. And, and, and this, I feel like more goals should be scored like this because lots of players, I mean, Jordan Ayew is not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. I feel like more players should be capable of this. This is the sort of goal that makes me think, why don't more players score goals like this every week? <laughs> yeah, the amount of time between him receiving the ball and doing the Zidane spin and then actually finishing it is remarkably short. Like, it must be like two seconds. So that makes it, that gives it a kind of like vitality watching it back i watched this at 0.25 speed on youtube to ascertain one important aspect of this which was the first turn of iu's goal which is where he steals the ball away from the onrushing uh, declan rice in, in in what i i would also describe as a maradona turn but i don't think he makes quite make the second touch which qualifies it as such and i feel like that undermines yeah. the goal completely so he drags it back with one foot but doesn't quite make the connection with the other foot as he rotates and i feel like that is a mark off so it's only gonna be you know an 8.5 out of 10 for me it's, just, it's a bit like judging gymnastics at the olympics charlie i feel like <laughs> he's, he's basically he's basically stumbled there uh, but the rest I know of it is actually mean, yeah. brilliant and when you shift a ball from one foot to the other and beat two defenders with it that is automatically a beautiful passage of play so i feel like has a lot of ingredients but at the third goal in this section charlie uh musa Gineppo's solo effort against sheffield united now poor pass from sheffield united and adams has got the ball around norwood there's all sorts of yellow card going on there but he's still going Gineppo. oh it's brilliant oh what a goal musa Gineppo's done it again out of nothing held back 
dragged back, went round two. This sits somewhere in the middle of the two goals, really, because it's 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 not a goal of the season winner for me, but it, as impressive as it is, but it's just a very good eight out of ten solo goal. Yeah, there's something a bit ragged about it for me. Like mm. he's, you know, there's a bit of like sort of sh- shrugging defenders off, and then the ball yeah. goes behind him, and then he gets back. Like it, it feels a little bit like you know the sort of goal that would be scored a sort of solo goal that would be scored at a slightly lower level than the Premier League that mm. would be held up as like look League One's amazing and you're like yeah. there's something that doesn't qu- I don't know it's just it's not quite as polished maybe as, uh, as the other two also Jack and, and I'm playing sort of a cynical devil's advocate here is Musa Gineppo honestly a big enough name to win goal of the season because <laughs> I, I I do worry sometimes that this this competition um, goes one of either two ways a very good a very well known player scoring a decent goal or an unknown player scoring an absolutely incredible goal are the only two ways that you can win it and I don't think Musa Gineppo is either a big enough name nor has scored a good enough goal here to qualify. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. I don't think he would win it on that on that interpretation, which I'm sure is accurate. And to be honest, I love this goal. I love this kind of like ragged improvisation. It reminds mm. me, I love a goal where there's like, he has to do quite a few different different elements of football to yeah. complete the goal. So there's strength, there's speed, there's a kind of quick, like quick footwork to get past someone, there's the finish. And it, it actually takes him like, he kind of stops and starts and stops and starts. It reminds yeah. me a bit of those like, ridiculous it's obviously not quite as good but there's ridiculous Neymar goals he used to score for Santos hmm. where he would like beat half the team and they'd all go you know you, you, you'd watch them all on YouTube before he went to Barcelona and he would just yeah. do like every little bit of football every, every skill required to be good at the game he would do on his way to beating basically the whole opposition team and obviously this is that on a much smaller scale because he only, yeah. you know he's only Sheffield United and he only goes past about three or four players I think before scoring hmm. But I did like the kind of like uh, fullness of it. Yeah, maybe I'm being a bit mean again, but I think to pick up one of the points you made there, it is a bit too stop-start for me. I mean, he's getting fouled for about the first three seconds of this goal to the point where I think the referee could have well have stopped it and and given a free (laughs) kick um, if he'd been been a bit, you know, too hasty. And it's I, I do like goals that flow, especially solo efforts. I, I, I want them to have this kind of flow to it where the, where the crowd starts to go, oh my God, something amazing is about to happen. And you, you want it to be quick and you want it to be smooth. And, and I don't think any of those things apply to this goal as technically good in parts as it is. Um, and then he makes a sort of dummy at the end and then it's a, it's a fairly kind of nondescript finish past the goalkeeper at the very end of it. So I just don't think it has enough ingredients. So I, I'd probably put this right at the bottom of, of the six. Uh, you know, in relative terms, I feel like I'm being a bit harsh here. Um, but I think we can all agree that in this section, IU is probably the standout. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, it's probably my favourite of the three. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to move on to belters now, which is a completely different set of uh, considerations to our solo efforts. Uh, the first of which is Kevin De Bruyne's goal against Newcastle. Um, his late thumping rocket in off the bar. Gets that cross in. It's headed away from the six-yard box. Back to Kevin De Bruyne, who lines up a shot. Brilliant from Kevin De Bruyne. Thumping that in. Taking matters into his own hands. Kevin De Bruyne strikes to hand City the lead again. It is a hugely important goal for Manchester City. It's not a volley. Um, that This is a debate for many other weeks. Um, so it, well, let's let's make that clear now. The ball sits up very nicely for him, which is 
which is doesn't make it incredibly difficult. But after that, everything about it is is brilliant, isn't it, Jack? Because it's quite an unusual way of striking the ball. It's hugely powerful. It goes in off the bar, which is even better. And crucially, De Bruyne even smiles after he scores it. Yeah, it, it's very unique, isn't it? What I loved about this is when he gets the ball, he's not facing towards goal. He's facing 90 degrees from goal. And he, in one movement, basically, he runs chests and hits it all in the same flow while kind of twisting his body in the, you know, twisting his body to direct the shot into the top corner. So in terms of, un- it scores very high on, on unusualness and also on like technical difficulty. And I think also with De Bruyne, there's this added, this added layer with him, which is that he is so precise that you know that there is no element of luck in anything he does. It's like he's, he's the least hit, he's the least kind of hit and hope player I've ever seen. And sometimes with these long shots, you think, well, obviously he did mean to score, but I'm not sure he meant to score specifically in that bit of the goal. Whereas with De Bruyne, because he's so precise, you know that he did in fact mean to do exactly what he did. And that only, that adds, I think, to to the difficulty and the impressiveness of it. I, th- I think also, Jack, there's there's an element of his, there's a lot of his personality goes into this goal because he seems to be a sort of a quietly furious man, even at the best of times. And this this was kind of a moment where he said, right, I'm just going to bloody well do this myself. And, it, and he just sort of forces this goal in. It, even, even you know, looking at your point where he does everything with precision, I just feel like this was just him just going sod it and just goes for it, and um, and I feel like that's an element of his character that's that's kind of underrated. Definitely, definitely. There's quite a bit of Gerard about De Bruyne. Mm. In that he's, you know, he's he's very he's quite a softly spoken guy, and I don't think he likes he's not he's not an extrovert. I don't 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 think no. he likes being famous or any of that. But he's he's got very strongly held beliefs about standards basically like this amazing yes. story of when he showed up at city and one of his first things you know he was kind of not an especially famous player at the time and very early on he bollocked yaya toure in training for not <laughs> working hard enough or something and i think there's quite a lot of that with de bruyne like he's so yeah he's got such high standards and he wants everybody else to be on his level and to be as good as him and mm. but if they're not he's just gonna have to do it himself frankly and he doesn't and <laughs> I, I, I i like watching him when he's in that mood and you can just tell that he is desperate to win and he won't accept not winning and he will do whatever it takes to get that. And of course, City didn't win this game because Shelby scored a few minutes later with yeah. a, you know, a very good goal himself. But he does have this like, uh, sod this, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to sort it out by myself because you, you lot are, play, are playing uselessly. Charlie, as a, as a side note to this goal, does this not, when you see him do something like this, don't you think De Bruyne should be scoring more goals and more spectacular goals rather than just constantly setting other people up? Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, I, I do think this is maybe the best just because I, I, I think it's really, really difficult what he has mm. to do here. Like, mm. and, and yeah, I mean, maybe that ties into, you know, what Jack's saying, that he does need to do more of that just sod it, I'm going to do everything myself kind of thing. The other belter um, to consider, and this fits into this kind of subgenre of unlikely players just booting it and hoping, is Fikayo Tamore against Wolves. Good way out! Oh my goodness me! That is extraordinary from Fikayo Tomori. What a way to score your first Chelsea goal! Which was his first ever shot in the Premier League, hmm. and uh, and it's a really unusual. It's not an unusual. Well, it is an unusual goal. It's it's and it was sort of pulled back to him from the right, and he swings it from right to left with his instep from about 30, 35 yards and it flies in. The goalkeeper hasn't got a clue what's going on and it just seems to me to the 
Jack, it seems to me to be the absolute paradigm of a goal from an unlikely source. And for that reason alone, I don't think should be goal of the season. Yeah, I think there is an element of... I, don't, I mean, hit and hope is a really mean thing to say. But... <laughs> well, that's what I've written in my notes. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I think there is like a degree of randomness to this one. It obviously looks really good. It's, it's very, you know, it's certainly difficult to do exactly what he did. But I, mm. I think for the reasons that you said, it doesn't quite click for me. Charlie, on the on this concept of hit and hope, which which Jack says sounds a little mean, but I don't think it does. And if you if you put it alongside any say Letizia goal, for example. You know that with any Letizier goal, about three seconds before it happens, he's decided that this is what's going to happen and he's already got it in his head. Whereas with this goal, uh, there's no element, there's no moment of this goal where he thought, ah, oh, he's planned this, he's done this before, or, you know, he had it in his head. And sh- do you think that that should be taken into consideration when you're talking about a brilliant goal? Could it, can it, can it just not be of the moment? Yeah, possibly. I mean, this is kind of what I mean when I say why I don't think just a spectacular long-range strike to me is as good because I this is sort of proof of what I was saying that probably any Premier League player has the technical ability to score a spectacular long-range goal. And actually, I think this he, goal could be scored by anyone in the first 10 levels of English football. <laughs> he's, he, it's interesting what you say about knowing what he's doing because he strikes it. He strikes it really well, but he strikes it a little bit like one does with their wrong foot in the <laughs> sense that it's, it, it's very measured. You know, you know when you're hitting with your wrong foot, you're like, I don't want to completely slice this. Uh, he really like f- for a strike from thirty yards, he he measures it quite impressively. But I think he's hope he's thinking, get this on target, don't kind of make an idiot out of yourself. And uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, and he celebrates it, in that in that fashion as well. He celebrates like a, a like a player who never could possibly have conceived that he was going to score. Yeah. You know, a goal like that. The last goal that we're going to consider here, and and it's it's a goal that satisfies the third and final subcategory as well, is Alireza Yehangbakshi's overhead kick against Chelsea. Goes from Trossard. And this dunks there. Bicycle kick. Oh my word! One-one. Is it Yehangbakshi again? I think it is. You wait 18 months for a goal, and then two come along in two matches. That one was very, very special. Um, this satisfies the spectacular efforts category, uh, and I feel like that, that always has to be considered in in goal of the season. There always has to be a one sort of you know one kind of not novelty goal, but one kind of spectacular, acrobatic, very much you know unorthodox, and and I feel like this ticks all of those boxes. Um, in many ways, it's a fairly standard bicycle kick. Um, the ball sort of sits up nicely for him in the penalty area, and he and he makes the sudden decision to do it. But Charlie, this is what I think works against it. First of all, the ball comes to him from the wrong side, in inverted commas, in the sense that it it comes onto his right foot from the right side. So it's not like Rooney against City, where it all happens in one nice, tidy movement. It's coming to him from the wrong side, essentially, which makes it technically harder, but also looks worse. And also, it bounces before it goes in, and the goalkeeper doesn't move. So apart from being just an incredible leap to get there in the first place... I just, I just don't feel like it. It has enough about it, even as an unorthodox as it is. I don't feel like it has enough about it to win goal of the season. Interesting. So those are aesthetic things in a way, aren't they? Rather than because, as you say, because that, that's the same. I have the same thought. It, it jars slightly because it is. He hits it with the foot you don't expect. But I must confess, actually, this was my vote when we were asked for a goal of the season. I went for this one. Um, 
I don't know. I saw this goal live, which maybe skews it, whereas some of those other ones I didn't. And so... It It was stunning live. Yeah, it really was. For me, it had that, like... You know when you make a noise that you didn't know you sort of had in your locker? Um, yep. <laughs> you know, when you, you are just genuinely, you're, you feel like you've seen something you haven't, like obviously we've all seen bicycle kicks, but the, the way he twists his body and it is at a strange angle, to me just did make it feel very special. Uh, and I don't think there are that many people who could score this goal. It does require unbelievable technique and athleticism. I love the reaction as well from one of the Brighton players who when it goes in, he just kind of looks away, shakes his head like, I can't believe you've just done that. Um, <laughs> Probably so, not in a good way either. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I, I, I like this goal and it, mm. it feels unique. Um, so yeah, so you're thumbs just, you're up, a sucker, two thumbs you're up You're a sucker me. for a bicycle kick, is that fair to say? Yeah, maybe. I didn't really realise I was until I saw this go in. I was just like, wow, that has re- that's got me off my seat and making weird noises. So yeah. Jack, do you know the last time a bicycle kick won goal of the season? Uh, I suggest you take a slight while in, in guessing because I'm scrolling up looking for the answer right now. Well, off the top of my mm. head, I'd say Trevor Sinclair. I just can't think of there's been one since Trevor Sinclair. Turns out there Rooney? has. Been... Rooney. That Rooney, yeah, City Rooney. Rooney City one? Rooney City happened in 2010-11. Uh, Trevor Sinclair was 96-97, but there's been one more recently than that. Uh, wow. It happened at Vicarage Road. Oh, em- oh, oh that? Emre, Emre Chan. Chan. Emre Chan. Yeah. I, I think that just about counts as a sort of mm, bicycle yeah, acrobatics, yeah. you know, in, in that kind of um, wheelhouse. So That was one of those goals, Emre Chan, a bit like um, Haaland against PSG a month or two ago, where I was there, but I actually wasn't watching because I was like <laughs> looking at something. I was like doing a bad tweet or something and uh, looked up and everyone was losing their minds. It's like, oh God, I've missed something here. Um, but yeah, that that was really good. I'm like generally a bit of a overhead kick skeptic. Mm, they don't massively okay. do it for me. Uh, mm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Bale Champions League final skeptic, uh, and this like the Yahangbach goal falls into that category for me. Like obviously it's good. I can see why people love it, but I don't. Yeah, I feel like I feel like overhead kicks get sort of a, an automatic but undeserved pass into into sort of wonder goal territory just because they are bicycle kicks. But unless they're properly acrobatic, I, I, don't, I don't like overhead kicks, for example. Which and I and I hesitate to say this because it's going to sound ridiculous. But Bale's bicycle kick in the Champions League final in 2018 to me was essentially a swinger. It. it he kind of just leapt and just swung his boot at it. And it just it just doesn't feel like it was quite kind of tight and precise and wonderful enough. It had, it had something emphatic about it, but not quite technically brilliant. I'm really pleased to finally hear someone agree with me about the, that bail goal. I felt like it was... I felt like everybody else in the world was wrong about it, except for me. So I'm pleased to find out, Adam, that you agree with me. It's a tremendously good goal in a tremendously important game but i i wouldn't i wouldn't put it close to say ronaldo's against uh juventus against, against juve yeah so i was there yeah. for that that was amazing that was really yeah. spe- that, that was harder than the bail one i think so i'm glad jack and i agree on this Well, that wraps up our forensic analysis of the half dozen contenders for the Athletics' goal of the season. That will be revealed on Sunday. You can find out by subscribing uh, by going to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod and taking advantage of our 90 day free trial. 
Uh, unfortunately, we won't have a thousand pounds of premium bonds to offer you as a prize, but maybe we can rustle up a signed fluorescent bid from our office five aside. Thanks to Jack and thanks to Charlie for joining me. Thank you very much. Thanks. See you next week. <laughs>